Let's call the meeting to order. We um, have a quorum because we have a guest member today. Um, and um, so let's call the uh, roll. Trustee Zorthian? Here. Trustee DeVries is not here yet. Trustee Hernandez? Here. Trustee Jensen is not here yet. Trustee Lawrence is here. <laughs> okay. Um, so we have been called. We have quorum. Sorry. We do have a quorum. Thank you. <laughs> God. Um, so we've been called into open session. Now we will adjourn open session and call ourselves into closed session. We are back in open session. Uh, we have uh, no idea where I am on this. Um, so we have the consent calendar. We have minutes to approve. And we have policies. Um, all righty. All right. All those in favor? And I, um, the minutes are approved, and the policies. Does, do we have a motion to approve the policies? I'll move, even though. Okay. Um, and, well, we get a second, and then we can discuss them if anybody, according to, this is Valerie Yang telling me how to run a meeting here. Um, I second them. Okay. Do we have any questions about the policies as written? Yes, ma'am. I remember this from 18 years ago. I remember it from two years ago. Yeah, you can't, you, the hospital cannot, a hospital cannot let a, a baby leave without inspecting and making sure that there is a car seat installed and the car is leaving it. Yeah. Me too. That's the visiting nurse's job. That is the point of handoff. Yeah, yeah. It's, I guess it will be said that the academic buses are also part of the infrastructure, so your, your, your sort of jurisdiction extends far is a personal thing. So it's and I actually thought it was kind of interesting, too, because I was thinking, well, so this, we have a law that says babies have to ride in car seats, but little tiny babies might die in car seats. So, uh-oh, you know, and so now we have to make sure that they're, that they won't stop breathing in those car seats if they're too small. It's, it's kind of ironic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we can't have that. <laughs> the prince in England don't want to be embarrassed about that, right? No. All right, so we uh, emotion. So, all those in favor of approving the policies as presented? Uh, all the policies. Oh, okay. Ah, yes, that's right. People use your mics. Yeah. Oh, the question was I'm sorry the, about the mic. The question was Alameda Hospital having a preoperative management policy that is different than why is this policy different than a, a preoperative management policy might be at Highland or San Leandro and different in the system sure. so that was one question and then there are things in here that seem to me that if it's here it ought to be and it's what you think is important that it ought to be in all the policies and why is this one sure. different so um, we are in the process, and um, Kinsey and I just met today, to talk about 
the standardization of all of the policies. So um, my guess is that this policy um, was expired and went through the medical staff process. So it still meets standards of care. That's still acceptable because it is um, the medical staff at Alameda um, can approve policies over there. So um, we are in the process right now of looking at all the key clinical policies and standardizing across the system. So it would still meet the same standard of care. Uh, that's fine, but it's still, we're a system, and I, and I keep pressing, and I will continue to press, and I understand that you're working it through, but when I see something in here that they can only have an exam and the test can only be done at Alameda Hospital, and if, they're, if a woman who happens to be menstruating, there's an order here for her to do certain things, mm -hmm. why is this so different than... Why can't we just take our preoperative policy that's been adopted here and move it over to there? And my bigger concern is not just the consistency of policy in a system, but the confusion if we, our goal is to be able to have staff move from place to place, then I'm now as a staff member required to make certain I know what the policies are here and the policies are there when it it's a procedure about preoperative requirements. Sure. So help so, me. So, so a couple of things. Um, so although the goal, and we've heard very loud and clear from the board, and Kinsey and I are very committed to, to having standards across the system, because the three hospitals are separate licenses, um, they have separate policies. Our goal is to have those policies be aligned, so the same standard of care, same clinical practice guidelines, and the same literature be used for those policies. The reality is, is that those policies have to individually go through three separate medical staffs for, for approval. Um, so, so I guess that's one piece. Um, the second piece is that the staff really do not float. So the staff at Alameda are not necessarily, they're not coming over here um, and they're not going to San Leandro. So the process is maybe a little different. I mean, we don't have any doctors that come over here and, and we don't have doctors that so, go over so there? We do, we do have some. We do have some doctors, not, not nurses. On the doctors who go to different places are on the different medical staffs. So when they operate in those settings, they abide by the bylaws and the medical staff uh, uh, um, rules and regs of that particular um, um, uh, license uh, facility. So, so it is the case. It's, I think nobody's saying that the goal isn't that ultimately there's standardization across, uh, but even when that does occur, Karen's first point is so valid that uh, even if we have the exact same policies, uh, the requirement for the medical staff review of certain clinical policies will have to happen individually at, at, at each medical staff. So there's a process until that is changed, if and until that is changed, that, that there could be variations in terms of the versions that each medical staff approve. But our goal is that because we do have overarching quality staff and overarching leadership and obviously overarching governance that looks at all of them that there is greater uh, standardization and consistency between them all. Okay, so if I'm a patient then and I have an operation at Alameda, how I'm pre-opt is going to be different than how I'm pre-opt at San Leandro or how I'm pre-opt at Alameda. Un I mean at under Highland. The, under the current construct, uh, the answer to that is yes, uh, but um, as we move forward, there's no reason why we can't uh, 
extend those to be, uh, or get them closer to being a little bit more systemic in their nature. And there may be some reasons for variation. So staffing, for example, use of PAs in one, in one facility and not the other. But for all of the policies, the policies have to meet um, standards of care and practice and evidence-based, they have to be evidence-based. So some of the procedures may vary, but for the most part, the principles um, and the practice should be the same. Uh, I'm sorry. Well, I, mean, I just was going to ask Deepak. It looked like you wanted to say something. I think, uh, as Karen said, uh, the standard of care is for the preoperative valve is pretty much the same across the three boards, but the local logistics and the approvals by the medical staff kind of plays a role in the differences. But, uh, you know, as a clinical practice-wise, they should have pretty much same standard. I operated at Alameda Hospital yesterday, and then I came over here and operated today at Highland. And the culture is extremely different in the OR. From a patient safety standpoint, it's just approaching the same problem from two different ways. And so, for example, when we do a timeout here before I make an incision, we have a board in our OR, and I follow that board. Um, and it has all of the same information that I'll do when I did my timeouts at Alameda, but it just might be in a different order. The questions might come in a different order. Or it may just be written differently from the policies that have come up from the med staffs. The, the bottom line is I'm still doing a timeout. I'm just doing it in the way that's culturally acceptable in those places. And so it's a very different feel for me, even as a surgeon, when I operate at Alameda. I don't know everybody there, so I'm a little more tentative. They don't know me. I'm still feeling out the process. And I'm very, very uh, attentive of the fact that it's a different culture and I have to follow their rules and what they do to be safe. That being said, I don't feel that the variations pose any danger to our patients at all. And in fact, it's really just a cultural issue that has, I would like Dr. Yako's staff to tell me what I think they need at their institution. Their MEC should be deciding that, not our MEC at Alameda Core. So it's really just, you know, who's deciding what the letter of the law is in those institutions? Because there has to be variation. They're very different institutions. So from my standpoint, it makes sense. Uh, okay. I, I appreciate you, you the feedback. I really do. So, so that I can understand this a little bit more. And, and part of this is a learning experience for, for board members, I think. So th then I, I would expect then an EKG is done to all patients over the age of 50 in all the hospitals. Yes. Okay. So those are the kind of common things that occur across the board. Right. See that in our orders and our anesthesia orders, we may not have an MEC policy that reflects that, but our anesthesia department, I know for a fact, follows that. I see. Yeah, it's just you're not seeing it as a policy, maybe. So it's just practiced the in a different way. The standards should be the same. The operative standards should be the same, whatever the procedure is being. Okay. Thank you. Um, and yet, I agree that the goal would be standard work. So no matter where you're doing surgery, you know what you're doing because you do it that way in, in other ORs. So it. I do want to say that, that there's a lot of uh, uh, issues at local levels that it's so hard to create one uh, cookie-cutter policy for everything. 
you know, for example, yes. for uh, selling into hospital does not have uh, psych evaluation and psych help or consults compared to other hospitals, and that creates a different policy when you can get a, can get a psych consult or so on and so forth. Like, you know, um, we try to manage on our own, but there is after a certain time you have to, when to get a psych consult could be different in AHS core than to a Salinger hospital because we don't have an availability for that. So a local culture and local availability and logistics play a big role in making those policies. Right. It's a question, and I don't want to put anybody on the spot, but when I hear about two different cultures in an organization, I get that. And do we have enough candid conversations among staff to be able to say, here's some best practices that are done at Alameda. Why wouldn't we want to use them at Highland? Or here's the reverse. And can we do that safely in a way that's constructive? Because when I hear you say, you know, there's two different cultures, totally understand that. And yet it does raise the question, how do we have those difficult conversations about modifying, you know, how we do things so that we're all operating maybe at the uh, most uh, cohesive way, most progressive way, most advanced way, no matter where we are in the facilities. So do you feel comfortable questioning those sorts of things? Um, not yet. Not yet. I mean, there's some things about operating, I'm just going to speak very frankly about yeah. operating at Alameda Hospital that make me miss our OR. You know, um, the volume isn't there, the efficiency isn't there yet, but there's some things about the Alameda nurses that I really appreciate, yeah. you know, um, they're top notch and the service they provide to each other and to the physicians is in my mind different than what we provide. Right. And then you have nuances at San Leandro too. So I think what it takes is people who work at all three mm -hmm. to be able to raise those things yeah. as we go. But I don't think that form is quite formally there, but I've never felt uncomfortable going to Bonnie and saying, Bonnie, what's going on with the OR at Alameda? What's going on with the staffing? Or I've never felt uncomfortable bringing that up. And that, that conversation is being had, I think, at micro levels. And as the, as the formality you know, gathers, I think we will have the space for that. Thank, right. you. Thank you for that candor. That's super important. Yeah. And, and can I Absolutely. also just add, so um, um, Kinsey and I um, and a variety of other people have put a lot of energy and worked with the MECs around the clinical practice committee. So there is representation from all of the facilities there. Um, so that, that is starting to really um, uh, look at standards of care and practice across the organization. Um, so th that, I think, is um, key. The second thing, and to Kinsey's credit, we have a perioperative director for the system who actually um, is he, he um, I met with him his first week, and so he, he literally is hands-on rolling up, going to the different facilities and working with those nurse leaders, bringing those new nurse leaders together and talking about all of the questions that you just asked. We had that conversation on his first day about assessing standards of care and practice, uh, making sure that the right you know, professional organization standards are being followed. So I think that's happening behind the scenes. It's a big system, but I think we are, we've made a lot of progress. I was going to add two, two things to that. Uh, I think uh, one, of the, one of the sort of big drivers for what we're able to do in terms of uh, processes across the system is what sort of 
uh, IT capabilities also underlie uh, what happens at the different campuses, which is, uh, as you know, vastly different uh, across the system. Uh, so one effort that's underway now is we'll look at the IT strategic plan, which includes uh, further assessment of what would be a system-wide EHR solution is bringing the various clinical stakeholders together from across the system to say, what are the technical capabilities that we need uh, as a collective to be able to drive our processes in terms of outcomes, access, quality, all those sorts of things. That will drive standardization and the ability in terms of a, a, a similar platform to do things that might um, uh, be similar in their approach uh, across the system. The latter thing I would say is um, we do currently uh, in the ambulatory space have a sort of an overarching committee that works uh, at the leadership level for all of our wellness centers to talk about what we're doing. There's a lot of opportunity still in terms of variation in terms of approach and process across our wellness centers, but we have an infrastructure in place that looks at these things. Um, in the strategic plan now, we're applying a similar sort of approach to the acute side of the house. So we're looking at creating a business unit that isn't so siloed in its approach now, that's sort of reflective of a site-based view to looking across the enterprise of wherever acute is. And actually, we just did our report outs from the business units on Tuesday night. and. Uh, I didn't even catch this when they were planning it because I don't sit on this business unit, but the uh, leadership for that unit, uh, which is interdisciplinary clinicians and administrators, uh, proposed sort of a s similar type of council that would be an acute council that would look across the system and be looking at what sense. services we provide, at what place, how we do them, all those sorts of things. Sir. Uh, I'll just close uh, this discussion a little bit with this comment I heard many years ago that someone once said, you know, culture eats strategy right. for lunch every day. That's right. <laughs> so no matter what we have on paper, I think we need to be able to hear one another about what does feel different and how people are operating in different ways throughout the entire system. So it's great that we're having the kind of conversations that are being led uh, by, by everyone here. Thank you. All right. So now can we approve the policies? All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Me too. All right. No nays. The policies are approved. All of the policies from all hospitals. And uh, we now have, I've lost my agenda, issue tracking. Um, there is one open item on issue tracking, and it had to do with re uh, whether the dialysis contract needed to be rediscussed at this meeting. So um, we're supposed to be meeting. Yes, we actually, I know. So um, we've met with the medical staffs, and on April 28th, we sat down um, to have a discussion about our, um, our non-physician clinical contracts. And so um, the medical staff, staff um, um, asked if we could open up a dialogue to talk about how the medical staff could be more engaged, how we could standardize the process so it would be more predictable as far as um, the review and the quality monitoring of those. So we had one meeting. Um, I actually thought it was very productive. There's been a lot of offline work that's done. We had hoped to have squeezed in a meeting between 4.30 and 5, unfortunately. <laughs> we'll be rescheduling that meeting today. So, so that's where that stands. So we're in, and we're in dialogue right now with all three medical staffs about what we can do to enhance that process. Anyone else want to? So the, we will uh, hear more later on that issue. 
And I think now it's the um, legal counsel's report. Uh, <coughs> closed session, the uh, credentialing reports from each of the campuses were approved. So that's it. Okay. And do we have any requests for public comment? None received. All right. We are adjourned. <laughs>